How many of you know that we don't have to wonder whether God is here? Are you with me? God is here. Amen. Whether we feel him or not, he's in this place and he's doing a deep work in us as we allow him to come in and have full rights to our life. As we come and as we surrender today, God wants to speak to our hearts. He's already doing that now. He's already putting words in your heart and in your mouth of what he's telling you to do, the direction for your life. And today, I just wanted you to know this, that what we are doing in this place right now at this moment matters. What we do today matters because it's in this moment where God can change those things that look impossible and he can make them possible because of who he is. Amen. Do you believe that, church? That today in this room, he's speaking to hearts. And so as we come and we begin to open our mouth and we begin to declare the praises of God, something happens in the supernatural. And it is very, very powerful and it is very, very potent as we come today. And we know that he is here and he wants to speak to our hearts and that's what he's doing. And I'm reminded through scripture of how God has called us to open our mouth into praise. Amen. You may be seated for just a few moments. In a few moments, um, I'm going to have you stand back up and we're going to praise the Lord and we're going to declare uh, the victory of Christ. But today I want you to know in Psalm 22, verse 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. If you're with me, say yes. He inhabits the praises of his people. So as you and I sing today, as we come in a posture of worship today, God is inside of our praise. So, so that when you and I begin to open our mouth and declare God's power and authority over my life and over my problems and over my situation, it actually establishes his rule, God's authority over my life. Isn't that right, church? That when we do that, that happens. But as long as you're focused on your problem, as long as you're focused and worried about your problem and what you're supposed to do, you give your problem the authority over your life. You hear? As long as you like grumbling and complaining rule you, you push God out. You know, we, we give those things the authority. This is critical. It's important to know this because many times we can just grumble, complain, talk about what's not right in my world, what's not right in the world, what's not right there, there, and whatever. But what's happened in that, then you have given that the authority in your life. You've given that the rule in the reign. You're saying, well, that's the final word. No, that's not true. But I believe today as we come, everything can change in this moment right here today. We can start looking up and we can start opening our mouth and declaring the goodness of God and the power of God. And, and I believe in the spirit realm, something is getting ready to shift in our lives. We've got a powerful, powerful service before this. And I, I'm so glad that you're here with us today that you just want to press in. And a couple of weeks back, I began to sense God laying this on my heart about teaching about the power of praise and the weapon of our worship. The power of praise and the weapon of our worship. The power of praise and the weapon you have got that is called worship. So today, I've asked the worship team to stay up here with me because we're going to come back in just a moment, as I said, and we're going to declare the praises of God in this moment. 
because we need to practice the power of praise together today. We need to practice it. And so that God can give us a new level of understanding that what we're doing is not just songs and just words. See, worship is more than three songs we play at the top of every service. You know, I don't know about you, but when I come to the time of praise and worship, I tend to think about things inside of that time of worshiping and giving the Lord thanks and I tend to think about the fullness and the bigness of God. I just want to encourage you today that you would do that. Then there is me and all my problems and all my concerns and all my stuff that I'm facing. There's a lot of people in here today. You're facing a lot of concerns. You're facing a lot of things that are going on. Worried about your future. Worried about the unknown today. But when I come into the uh, atmosphere of praise and worship, what I do is I turn my attention away from who I am and look at the fullness and the bigness of God. Yes, those things in our lives, they're there every day. doesn't mean they're not real. But it's in that moment that my stuff gets a little smaller and God gets bigger. Right? I place God where he belongs and I have to place me where I belong. Right? You got to place God where he belongs in your own life. Oh, he's big no matter what. But you got to do that in your own life. And you got to place you where you belong and know where you stand inside of that, knowing that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than all we can think or imagine or dream in Jesus' name. May we never forget how big God is into relation in what we are facing today. See, worship puts things in perspective. That's what it does. That's one of the reasons why it's so important. Worship has the power to change your perspective. When I study the Bible, there's a story that comes to mind in the book of Acts where worship did just that. And you've heard this story before, I'm sure. If not, it's a great story as we look in Acts chapter 16 today. And I want to challenge you as we jump into this story that you would say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me what you want to teach me? And would you show me what you want to show me and and what I need to know that I don't know? I mean, even though we don't know it all. Acts 16, Paul and his traveling partner, Silas, are in a town called Philippi. They're on their way to a place to pray, and this slave girl, who's a fortune teller, possessed by a demon, kept harassing Paul and Silas day after day after day. And finally, that day, Paul got fed up with her. He turned around and he cast the demon out of the girl. What, you think, well, that's got to be a good thing, right? Well, but the men that owned the slave girl that were making money off her ability to get a fortune, she lost that ability when the demon was cast out of her. They got mad at Paul and Silas. We pick up the story in verse 19. It says, these men, they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. Then they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was told, make sure that they do not escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, which is it's the innermost part of the prison. They, he clamped their feet in stocks. And you know, as I read this again today, I've had, days, had bad days before. How about you? I mean, I've been misunderstood, I've been treated poorly, so have you, but I've never had a mob formed against me. That's a bad day right there. How many know that? You ever had a mob formed against me? No. That's a bad day. 
Paul and Silas find themselves in this prison, probably a little emotionally spent and a little frustrated, spiritually drained, I'm sure, black and blue because they were beaten. You know, you would think probably they were really upset, like, God, God, why is this happening? In verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were griping and complaining about their situation. Is that what it says? That's what we think many times. We think, wow, I'd be griping and complaining. That's what I write. But it's not what it says. At midnight, Paul and Silas began praying and singing praise to God. And all the other prisoners were there. They heard what was going on. And I want to point out to you that, that they probably didn't feel like praying and praising God, right? They didn't feel like getting their worship on. Have you, I mean, come on. Have you ever come to church and not felt like getting your worship on? I mean, yeah, really. Yeah, we've all had that opportunity. Some of you today may be here and say, I don't really feel like getting my worship on. But listen, they were not controlled by their feelings. We live in a world. Let your feelings control you. I don't feel like this. But they didn't allow that. See, they didn't let their feelings direct their faith. Instead, they let their faith direct their feelings. So they get into praise. And suddenly a strong earthquake shook the jail to its foundation. The doors opened. The chains fell off all the prisoners. And when the jailer woke up and saw the doors were open, he thought the prisoners had escaped, pulled out his sword, was about to kill himself. And Paul shouts to him, do not harm yourself because no one is, has escaped. The jailer asked for a torch, went into the jail shaking all over, knelt down in front of Paul and Silas, and after he led them out, the, out of the jail, the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? I mean, you can always know it's God when it shows up, when there's a holy awe and reverence, so much so that people want to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ in that moment, amen? That God is there. You ever been in that place? You felt the holy awe and the presence of God so much that you begin to confess your sin. You begin to confess the things that have been going on inside of you that have not been right. Maybe it's a confession of saying, God, I'm tired of relying on me and now I accept you. That's what took place. So revival hits a jail in the little town of Philippi. And there are two things that pertain to us today that I want to look at in the story. It's the power of worship and the place of worship. The power of worship. Come on, can you say the power of worship? And the place of worship. The power of worship and the place of worship. And let me start with the power of worship. The first thing that jumps out to me is that your praise is powerful. Turn to the person next to you and tell them your praise is powerful. Come on, do it. Come on. Somebody needs to hear this today. Turn to the other person and say, your praise is powerful as well. Yeah. Your praise is powerful. It is absolutely powerful, and many times we undermine the fact that that really is. See, when praise goes up, God shows up. Are you with me now? See, when you lift your praise, God shows up. He is in our midst. He's already promised that. I don't have to wonder it. I don't have to fake it. He's there. God shows up. God inhabits the praises of his people. That means when we're giving praise to God, God shows up in the place that you are creating an atmosphere where God says, I'm welcome in this place. You got to understand that, that when you open your mouth, even when you don't feel like it, you're just saying, God, I, I, I welcome you. I welcome you into my 
life right now. I welcome you into this place today. I welcome you to do a work in me today that I cannot do myself. And then God says, well, I can move in that place because you've welcomed me. The God is enthroned in the praises of his people. It wasn't Paul and Silas singing that shook the cell that day. What made it shake that day was that God stepped into that prison. You know, the chains were strong enough for Paul and Silas, but they were not strong enough for Paul and Silas as God. And I'm not sure what you're up against today, that you feel like in this place you've come and maybe there's something in your life that has bound you, that has tied you up, that you feel like you're a victim of your circumstances, whatever it is that you're chained up and held back is you have to know that that thing is big for you, but it's not big enough for your God. So when God steps into the place where you and I have created, it's there, it's there that he will come and prove himself strong. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to who? You. Every time you take the time to draw near to God, the word of God tells us God is drawing near to you He's drawing near to you in what? All his authority, all of his power, all of his glory. And he's stepping into that space right now where, where you are when you are opening your mouth. You begin to declare the glory of God over you. See, the power of your praise is actually found in the power of your God. Did you get that? The power of your praise is found in the power of God in who he is and has already declared in his word to be. Because he's in that moment that wherever you are, he's there. See, when we praise God, we're reminding of ourselves of who he is in our life. So, yeah, this is a little bit of teaching. There are people in here that are older than me. You've got a lot of years of experience. And there are other people that are younger than me. And maybe you're wondering, what do I do in this, this time of praise and this time of worship? Do I, just look at, do I just look at the words and do I just sing them and that's it and it hasn't hit my heart? No, it's something deeper that's taking place that I'm saying, God, you are almighty. God, you are Elohim. You are the maker of the earth, and he is the Lord of hosts. He is heaven's king, God of endless worth. His kingdom stands above every power, above every throne. That's who he is amongst the many, amen? If you're bringing him, you're declaring him over you, right? And when you begin to do that, God shows up in your life. You're reminding yourself who is on your side. Who it is that is fighting your battles. You're not reminding God who he is. How many of you know God doesn't need to be reminded who he is? Why do we need to remind ourselves who God is? That's what we need because we've probably forgot. We've probably forgotten what he did even this last week or what he did maybe early this morning already. We forget. Time moves on and we forget what God has done. But in that, you're reminding yourself of who God is. You're establishing his power and his authority, his rule, and his reign in you. So when things feel out of control, I know the one who is in control. See, worship acts as a spiritual equilibrium in our life. It really does. When life tries to come and knock you off balance, when situations come and try to beat you down, worship is the spiritual equilibrium. It enables you to find something right to praise God when everything else might feel wrong around you. Isn't that true? 
It's the perspective that God is in control even when I can't be in control. I don't know about you. You and I aren't in control. We think we're in control. We're not in control. I'm sorry. God is in control. We live in a world, though, that tells you you're in control. No, you're not. You ever notice life's fragile? We're not even guaranteeing one minute more. Not one minute. You and I don't have control of that. God does. Paul and Silas could have been focused so much so on the problem that was going on. They had every right to complain about their pain, didn't they? You know, God, we're just doing your work. You called us to do your work, God. I mean, come on. Why are we going through this? Really, you sent, you sent us on a missionary journey. You told us to go do that. But instead, they made the choice to rejoice. Amen? The choice made all the difference. The choice brought things into alignment. The choice brought spiritual equilibrium into their life where they didn't feel like they were out of balance. So worship is the way that you can stay spiritually positive when things around you are so negative. Amen? I mean, there's a lot of negativity going on. But listen, you don't have to remain in that. Your talk doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to dwell there, and neither should you dwell there because we have to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords to come into a spiritual balance and equilibrium. The reality is when things around me look impossible, that nothing's impossible with God. That will base my life on that truth, on that foundation, and then my praise and my worship is going to be powerful before him. So I want you to notice when they started to praise God. It wasn't after the prison doors were open. It, was, it wasn't after the chains fell off. It was before. We like to praise God after the fact, don't we? God, thank you for giving me this. Thank you for giving me that. So many times we want to praise God and we withhold our praise until we get to the other side of it and we see if God's going to show up or perform a miracle. That's not what they did here. Like, God, you know, I'm going to praise you after I get the job promotion. No, you should praise him before you even get the job promotion or even the offer to come and interview and say, man, if I can just get this job, pastor, I might even tithe afterwards. Well, you should probably do that before. Or do you just go off your feelings? I wonder, wow, do you see the trust factor that goes on in our life, the lack of trust we have before God? We won't do it until we see God's hand move. It's not even biblical. I'll wait till God stirs my heart. Then I'll do it. No, no, no. God, I'm going to give you praise and I'm going to give you honor and I'm going to give you glory right now even though I can't see that situation or that scenario show up or the healing in my body. No, I'm going to praise you right now. But listen, praise is not the byproduct for victory. Praise is the predecessor for victory. That's where it's at. It's the predecessor. It's not the byproduct of it. Praise actually comes first Praise opens the doors. Praise moves the mountains. Praise invites God. I just wonder if anybody's here today. Praise invites God into the scenario of your life. Are you here to give him praise today? Hallelujah. So that he can come and show up in the middle of your situation and your problem. So we have been called to praise first. But notice also that it's around midnight. That's what Acts 16, when they praise God. Midnight. 
the moment when the clock goes from p.m. to a.m., signifying the start of a brand new day. They knew what David wrote, their father David, in in Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for the night, but what comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. Well, it doesn't look too bright at 12.30 a.m. No, at 1, uh-uh, 2, mm-hmm, 5 in the morning, 6, we start seeing a little bit of change of what's happening. But joy will come in the morning if we're willing to stay there and we're willing to keep praising God even though we can't see the miraculous hand of the Father. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Whatever happened the day before is past. A new day has begun. So today, I hope that you just are stirred in your heart as we look in Scripture that you know this, that peace and joy and the mercy of the Lord is new this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the mercy of the Lord is new this morning or I would be free fried in my bed we forget it we forget it God's mercy is new this morning and let me tell you every one of us need mercy we need the grace of God upon our lives so his his mercy is new this morning so somebody here today you you need to hear this because you're getting ready to move from your p.m. to your a.m. do you believe that today you're getting ready to move from your p.m. the problem to your AM today. So you probably need to turn maybe to the person to your right and to your left and tell them, you're getting ready to move. You're getting ready to move from your PM to your AM. Come on, tell somebody next to you. They came into this place today hurting. They need faith today. Come on, open your mouth. Sing in praise today, right? So come on, will you stand to your feet with me today? Everyone stand to your feet, everyone. We're not done yet. I got a few points, but we're gonna come and we're gonna praise the Lord. And listen, church, I want you to declare the praises of God over your circumstance and over your situation, no matter what you are going through today. Come on, let's worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. So in this atmosphere, I want you to raise your hands before the Lord if you feel comfortable today. Come on, this is an act of worship. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He calls us to lift our hands in the sanctuary. All of those things. Would you today, would you just begin to declare the promises of God over your situation and your scenario today? Come on. Every person in here has brought something in here today that's too big for you, but it's not too big for our God in the name of Jesus. So would you begin to open your mouth now, church, and we begin to voice your praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And would you, tell him that God you have rule and you have reign over this circumstance come on would you begin to speak to those situations today would you begin to open your mouth and say God you are victorious even when we're looking like we're surrounded by the enemy God we're surrounded by you Father God I speak right now Lord into situations and circumstances in this place today God, take us to a new level of praise and worship inside of you. Lord, our lips will declare. Come on, church. I don't see lips moving. Come on. Would you declare it? I want to hear you. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. Come on. The King of Kings wants to hear you today. He wants to hear you give him praise over your problem. Father God, we bless you now in this sanctuary. I speak, Lord Jesus, that you are the healer over every disease in this room. If there's a sickness in your body today, I want you to put your hand on that place, wherever that place that's hurting. Maybe it's a terminal disease. Maybe it's a sickness. And Lord, we declare that you 
are greater than the sickness. You're greater than the infection. You're greater than the cancer. You're greater than the diabetes. You're greater than the disease in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today. We command it and decree it according to your word today that Lord, your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. I speak to it now. I speak to it in the name of Jesus in this room, in this place. I declare your power over marriages in this room that are on the brink of separation and divorce. I speak your word that is greater than divorce, separation, the problems, the sedition, the disunity of the devourer. I speak against it even now. Come on, come on, press in church, press in today. Come on, press in today, press in today. Come on, God's taking you to a deeper level as you open your mouth before him. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your word is greater than anything that we are seeing upon this earth, God. Hallelujah, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I pray that you would heal marriages. I pray that you would heal teenagers in this place. You would heal children. I heal those that are in abuse today. God, help them to get out of this in the name of Jesus where the enemy has tried to come and bring darkness, Lord. Hallelujah. We need you to step into the prison cell today, God, and shake the foundation. Father, we pray this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Stir our hearts. Your praise in this moment is powerful, church. Your praise is vital in this moment. Hallelujah. Your praise is powerful. Your praise is powerful. Your praise is powerful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give you the glory. We give you the honor. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe seated. We're going to continue. We're almost there. What stands out to me the most in this story isn't just the power of worship, but the place of worship. Can you say the place of worship? Because your worship has to have a place. We don't think of it many times as being in a prison cell. We think of it many times, well, maybe in my commute, I'll lift my voice, I'll praise the Lord with song. In church, yes. In my small group, yes, absolutely. The reason why Paul and Silas worship in that place is because worship had a place in their life already. I want you to understand that. Worship already had a place in their life before they got to the jail cell. They had cultivated a space and a place for God that no matter what place they found themselves in, they could pull out their weapon of worship and work it in that place. Does praise and worship have a place in your life? No, I'm talking beyond this moment. I'm talking beyond this moment right now. Does it have a place in your life? This is a great place, but beyond this place, does worship have its place in your day-to-day -day life. Two things stand out to me in the Bible about worship. Worship is both private between me and God, but, but worship is also public as we do it together in this moment. Both are, both are critical. My private time of worship, your private time of worship is what I bring with me to the weekend experience. And this feeds my soul. How about you? 
that, that what happens in this moment is new words are put in my spirit, just like new words are being put into your spirit right now. Did you know that? There's new words being put into your spirit. That's what God does. We can come and we can expect that. And then as I come and I worship the Lord throughout the week and the highs and the lows, the ups and downs that I have, just like you and, and all of that, that, that I carry my worship with me all throughout the week and I bring it into this place. So it doesn't mean I just showed up on Sunday morning for one hour and I expect to worship the Lord and the rest of the week I'm not going to open my mouth and declare his praises. No, it's, it's a cultivation of what's taken place the other six days of the week in the real day-to-day world, right? Now, come on, I'm preaching for you Monday, not your Sunday. Are you with me? Come on. I know it's easy to do it in here. Tomorrow, when you get in your cubicle, when you get in your office, when you go to school, it's not going to be that easy. So you got to cultivate it. It's not going to be that easy. It's not going to be just given to you. You're going to have to give it to him. But it's in that moment God can give you a new song. So, you know, did you know this? That people around your life affect the atmosphere in your life. They can either help you look up when everything else is going down. Like Paul had Silas. I mean, I'm sure that they played off of one another. They encouraged one another inside of the jails. Come on, let's worship together. Come on, this place doesn't look like a place where we should worship. But come on, we can worship in this place when we're bound in here. And then we know there's a mob of people after us to kill us. Or, or you could have people around you that literally push the presence of God away. You know that? I want people around me that, that, that creates a space for Jesus to show up in, Right? A place where people are worshiping God and praising Him, yes, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the sicknesses in our body, that we're reminded wherever two or three are gathered together in God's name, under His authority, God says, I'm right there, I'm with you, I'm in your midst. No sporting event can offer what Jesus gives us. Amen, church? Oh my, does this need to be heralded again in our day? No sporting event can offer you what Jesus gives you, the power and the presence of God that he gives to us. Parents, I want to applaud you for a great job for bringing you you and your family to the church today. If your kids are in our kids' ministry, they got Superhero Sunday happening. It's an awesome day down there, but they're hearing the word of the Lord, and, and they're singing worship together as well. So I, I applaud you for laying that foundation in their life. That's great that we can do that for them. But, but also that, you know, I understand that, that you get them in sports and, and you're trying to get them a multi-million dollar contract at the age of five, right? So it's most of the world. I'm trying to give my five-year-old a multi-million dollar contract, right? That's great. But the most important thing is, is this. Are you getting them ready for the day when they stand before God? and their grades won't matter, and their sports playing, that's all gonna go by the wayside. But they're gonna stand before the Lord, and did they have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's what really matters. So keep getting them in a place of worship and praise and, 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 and in the place where the word of God is being preached. But did you know that God is looking for certain men and women? He actually says, I'm looking for certain men and women that come with this posture is, is John 4, 24. And I want to just three quick points before we come back and we're going to worship the Lord together. What is worship? The first thing, worship is intimacy. Psalm 73, 28, but I will keep 
coming closer and closer to you for your name is good. It's good to me and I will keep telling the world your awesome deeds. It's intimacy. It's intimacy. Intimacy requires closeness to be able to hear the voice of the Father. We need to be close to the Father's heart and the way that we do that is draw closer to Him and He will come near to us. That's, that's called intimacy, that we would hear the voice of God, that we would hear the voice of God because I don't know about you, there's a lot of voices there's a lot of voices we're listening to. But we need to be able to discern his voice. You can't discern his voice without intimacy. We need to hear the voice of truth in a world of lies. The second thing is worship is admiration. Another word for worship is praise. Psalm 150 tells us, what to praise God with and for. We're coming, we praise Him in the sanctuary. We praise Him. We give Him thanks. His miracles of might, magnificent greatness. Praise Him with the instruments. I mean, hasn't the worship team done an awesome job today? Come on, would you give the Lord thanks for them as they come? They're praising Him with the instruments and the voice and using their talent and their gifting. Volunteer, giving it of their time because they love the Lord. They want to use their gifts. We're told to come, and we're told to come and praise Him. You know, we live in a world that today is full of insecurities. We make excuses for things like, well, I was born this way, and this is just who I am. We hunger so much for praise that we need to be praised on social media. We want the likes. We want to be glorified. We want the glory of being seen. But I'm going to tell you something today. Please hear my heart. Do you know that flesh and blood was not created to hold praise? We were created to reflect it. We were created to give God glory. We were created to give Him praise. We were created to be a reflection and bounce off of us so that we can give Him all the thanks and all the praise. You and I were not called to sit in it called to give it the third thing I see in scripture worship is perspective you know King David was the most popular worshiper we see in the Bible he had a really long life full of good really good really bad but one thing I love about King David was that he wasn't perfect God, God's not looking for perfect worshipers sorry if you came here today God is not looking for perfect worshipers do you think that it's wrong but he's looking for worshipers who are honest where we will worship him in spirit and in truth. And David, at the end of his life, had handed over his kingship to his son and he wanted to build a house, but he couldn't do it. He had all the victories. He had so many mistakes, but at the end of it, he was able to say this, First Chronicles 29, verse 11. He said, it's yours, Lord. Yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth. It's all yours. That it's nothing about me. It's nothing about me. But that God, you have called my life to give you glory and never settle for anything else and anything less than that and the purpose to that end. If you just open your eyes today, if you just lift your head you're surrounded by the power of a living God in this moment. That's going to help you fight your battles. 
Church, quit fighting your own battles. God says, I've come to fight your battles. Will you give me praise? Will you give me thanks? Will you honor me with your lips? Will you glorify me with your life today, Monday, all the way through? Will you do that? So today, as we bring this down, I'm going to have you all stand with me, if you will. And the worship team is going to sing, and I want you to press in. And maybe even today, you feel like, you know what? I want to move out of the place where I am, and I'm going to come and create a space down front here. We'll be down here. Maybe you just want to come and kneel. Maybe you just want to lift your hands before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But will you, in this moment, will you really worship him with your life? Come on, will you really give him the glory? Really give him the praise today? Give him the thanks. Maybe God's asking you to go to a new and deeper level. That God's calling us as a church to a new and a deeper level of praise and worship. I mean, we haven't arrived yet. We're on a journey. Amen. So let's worship the Lord. Maybe let's step out today by faith and come expecting God to do something miraculous.